Welcome to the Internet of Nature podcast. I'm Dr. Nadina Khala, and I'm an ecological engineer and technologist. In this 10-part series, I will be interviewing entrepreneurs and innovators about their technologies for building greener and smarter cities, asking them the questions that could help you grow your tech-driven, nature-based enterprise. This week, I'm speaking to Marcel Steeg, co-founder of Soilmania in the Netherlands. So good to have you on. Looking forward to sharing your story and how Soilmania came to be. So maybe that's a good place to kick it off. Can you please introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit more about Soilmania? Yes, of course. I'm Marcel Steeg. I was born in the Netherlands. You could say rural areas. It's on the German border and I was born on a farm. We had uh, tomatoes in greenhouse and we had a lot of uh, sheep. The farm was at the border of nature. So I did my technical study in uh, Eindhoven. And after my study, I was working in uh, different technical jobs, audio, video, uh, domotics, uh, telematics, telecommunications. That's mainly where I come from. And so growing up on a farm and on the edge of nature, is that where the importance of, of soil maybe first occurred to you or did that come later? Yes, that, that, that came later, I think five, six years ago. I wanted to do something new, was a bit bored in, in telecommunications. I saw that the whole telecommunications market was, was going to VoIP and hosted IP and that kind of stuff. I was thinking, let's combine everything I learned and go back to my roots and also realize that there was a bit of a distance between nature and me. And uh, that's why we started uh, Soilmania. And what does Soilmania do? We believe in the, in the power of, uh, of soil and um, we believe that the cycle are the basis of a healthy soil and are necessary for a balanced soil environment. Healthy soil leads to healthy crops, healthy animals, healthy people. How do we apply or how do you apply technology within that? Where do those two intersect? What we do is we digitalize knowledge. For instance, the soil moisture sensor we have connected to the cloud. Then you have data. So you get a percentage every 20 minutes measuring moments. You can draw a graph and then you have information. But in the end, you want to turn this information into knowledge. And after you gain a lot of, lot of knowledge, you can go to the next step, which is wisdom. And after that, you know what to do, which actions you're going to take. So from information to knowledge is something about, for instance, a penetrometer look. So it looks like a penetrometer. And it has four different areas, which are colored in a blue, green, orange, and red. So the blue area is the area where there is uh, saturation to wet. And the green area is the field capacity area where you should be. So trees like field capacity, need field, field capacity. Orange and red are beneath wilting a point. In the orange, you could say something about the soil life, which is already dying. And uh, the red uh, is, yeah, nothing there for the trees. So they are dying too then. 
So that's when you got information to knowledge. From knowledge to wisdom is uh, something we do with, for instance, artificial intelligence, where you can um, predict the moisture in, let's say, five days after today. So in that case, uh, you can have an SMS or an email which says you when to water the tree. And I think in the end, how much water is needed for the tree. We've been working together over the last several months to bring Soil Mania forward as a lot of the projects now have been focused in the Netherlands and in Germany. So maybe mm -hmm. you can tell the listeners a little bit more about where Soil Mania is active today and how specifically they're using the technology. At this moment, we are uh, in three different sectors with three different names. So we have Agrimania in the crop fields, in the greenhouses, uh, we have field mania for the golf uh, courses, uh, football fields, and then we have tree mania, and we're doing a lot of uh, things in public and private green areas. And then if you look at what we do there, then our customers are uh, municipalities. For instance, in the south of the Netherlands, we have Maastricht, and there we monitor the whole city but especially a project with, which is called the Green Carpet Project. It's a highway tunnel. And above this tunnel, they planted 1,000 lime trees. We start monitoring there a few years ago. We had very hot summers. We had severe drought, and all the 1,000 lime trees are still there. So that was pretty amazing. That was also for us a, a enormous next step. Just to put that into context, Marcel, just how impressive it is that all the trees are still there is that the tree care company, the contractor watering those trees, had said that in other areas where he didn't have the sensors, because of how hot and dry those summers were, he lost anywhere from 15 to 20 percent of all his yeah. plantings. What he also said is that he gave much more water than he expected. The sensors gave him yeah. insights which he, he didn't had. Right. What would you say are, are some of the biggest misunderstandings when it comes to using sensors, soil sensors in the area of urban forestry? Yeah, of course, there is a gap between people who love green and who care about green and work with green and, and technology. Some people think you just put a sensor in, in the soil and, uh, and every problems are uh, solved. <laughs> Other people are just not that good with, with computers, don't know exactly how they work, how to connect, right. putting a lot of time in, in learning how sure. to use our dashboards and how to install our sensors. But of course, there are some misunderstandings. Soilmania was founded four years ago at this point. Yeah. So let's say you could take several steps back. What is something that you might have done differently along this journey so far? doing things in the fields you you get a lot mm -hmm. of insights of course and these new insights bring you a lot of knowledge on yeah, which yeah. you could say that you done things else but that's also how we work we are building bridges while walking on it to make impact you have to move and keep on moving yeah I think fast fail is a good thing so uh, we did a, a lot of uh, research in the field we tested a lot of uh, sensors and there went a lot of things wrong. 
And then we had to go back to the field yeah. and solve these yeah. things. But we think it's really the best way to, to learn fast. What would you say was the most surprising thing that you learned? Yeah, people mostly think that um, they give too much water when you're not giving enough. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And uh, what I like about this whole uh, watering thing, it, it looks so easy, isn't it? Yeah. Watering. It sounds easy. <laughs> it looks easy. It, you have yeah. uh, sensors, a lot of sensors who can measure percentage uh, water. And what we've done is we, we really made it easy. There is a whole wisdom and knowledge around watering and yeah. when is the right moment for watering in order mm. to get your soil life healthy, too wet or too dry. Bo both of them are, are not okay. You have to stay in this green area. You wait until you're on the downside, so almost in the orange area, and then uh, do the watering moment. You have the perfect score, so to say. In my own research, I've found that if we want to move to these nature-based cities that have all of these big, beautiful, mature trees that are providing all of these different ecosystem services for us. If we want to get there, it's not only about maintaining existing trees, of course, but, but planting new ones. The quality of the soil and the availability of water as, a, as one of the most important resources in a young tree's life, I think, are quite, quite often forgotten when we look at these policies on a much broader scale. Is that something that you've seen as well? Yeah. Also, simple things like um, the height of the, the tree. Sometimes they are planted too deep or too high. It's all about the details in the end. What we also think is that uh, there is a, a main focus at the decision makers on planting new trees. The older trees are much more efficient. If we could care more for the older trees, then we could be much more efficient in order of ecosystems, yeah. uh, in order of climate. One tree in the order of 50 to 100 years is equal to 3,000 young planted trees. You're listening to the Internet of Nature podcast. I'm Nadina Khala. There's some fascinating research that came out of Chicago, which basically asked the question, when does an urban tree become carbon neutral? A lot of people think, well, you plant a new tree and it immediately starts sucking up carbon. That's not typically how it works. First, we have to make sure that we're regenerating the soil because the soil is responsible for a lot more carbon sequestration than that tree ever could. But okay, plant the tree. Mm -hmm. That tree is going to need so many resources coming in in terms of planting it, getting it from the nursery, watering it, sometimes several times a month in hot summer months. So yeah. all of those things add up to that tree actually being a a net carbon emitter that it is sequestering carbon. This yeah. research in Chicago asked that question and they found that a, a tree in a residential area became carbon neutral at 26 years of age. Yeah. People are not talking about this when we talk about greening cities, sequestering carbon. And that's where the most important nuanced part of this story lies. It's not popular, perhaps, to say, let's help the older, the Asian trees. Yeah. Everyone wants to plant new trees. The soil moisture sensor is really interesting in mm -hmm. terms of trying to understand when newly planted trees need water. Tell the good people a little bit about how you're applying the soil mania technologies to take care of these older trees. 
these older trees, we can also measure the EC, salinity, uh, nutrients. In wintertime, you have road salts. And uh, these salts, uh, in the end, comes off to the roadsides there where the trees are. So we have uh, also a, a product which can measure these uh, salt levels. And the nice thing to know is that if you have too high salt levels, you can see it immediately. And if you uh, look at the trees, you don't see anything. And when you see something, you are too late. On the tree, when you see it. On the tree. tree. Yeah, when you see yeah. it in the tree. Yeah, you are too late. So uh, if you see that the salt uh, levels are too high, you can easily add some uh, liquid humus to the next watering moment of the season, the first watering moment of the season. And then uh, the natrium, uh, the salt, is, is not available anymore for the tree. Because it binds to this, this liquid humus. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a nice product where, where you can learn a lot. Also, if you have planted trees nearby the sea. So in the, in the Netherlands, we have a big, long coastline. There we can do the same. Uh, there is the same solutions available, but, but there you have uh, higher salinity levels the whole year. And then there is the next step. This next step we call soil life. We measure the moisture. We measure the temperature, the nutrients the acidity, pH levels, and oxygen. And all these values combined, we put the knowledge and wisdom of, uh, of Gino and Willy, one of uh, my colleague maniacs, and we translate it into soil life. Not that we count the, the bacteria and everything that's going around there in the soil, but we look at the process. And if you know this process, you can make new steps because you see the participation of the, of the soil life, which is, uh, which is there or which isn't there. In the end, you can translate it to the availability of the different uh, elements. So it's really kind of this, this combination between these five different parameters that you're measuring in situ in the fields. And then yeah. from there, extrapolating what the overall soil life looks like and possible interventions. Yeah, absolutely true. We combine this uh, product together with a uh, laboratory analyze. If you start and you want to know something about the elements which are there in, in the soil, you have a sort of point uh, from, from where you begin. Can you give us an example of when the soil life sensor was used, maybe in the middle of a soil improvement trajectory, maybe a soil profile rebuilding that actually then resulted in a healthier tree? I like the story of the of the crop uh, field uh, with the problem that there were too much uh, toxic uh, elements uh, there. Mm -hmm. When we placed the soil life sensor there, we actually saw that uh, the process which was going on there was the problem for the availability of the of the toxic uh, elements. We did some um, things in the soil with the result that oxygen levels uh, went higher. And right. on the other side, we did something with the, with the watering, with the pH levels of the watering. And that influences the processes in the soil and made the toxic elements uh, less available. So who would you say is someone that has been really influential to you on this journey so far? In the first place, we've got a very nice technical team, of course, and uh, we are busy with the IoT techniques and artificial intelligence for quite some while. But in the end, you need people who have knowledge, 
we are four maniacs, of course, but two of them having a lot of knowledge and a deep, yeah. deep, deeply knowledge of, of soil, more from the research kind of view and more from the pra practical uh, kind of view. And we love the collaboration whereby we uh, together digitalize this knowledge and make it available for a lot of people around the whole world. Where do you see Soilmania going? What are the ambitions for the next one to five years, let's say? Ambitions, we, of course, we have ambitions, but actually it's, it's, it's not noted or we, we didn't write it down. We somehow manage kind of organic mission. At the top is making impact. So that's the most important thing because, of course, you can grow and grow and deliver your product to more countries over the whole world. But in the end, we want to make impact. If this impact can be made here in the Netherlands, then we do this in the Netherlands. And if it's in the UK or in, in the States, then, then it's over there. But in the end, we want to make impact. I impact first. Yeah, impact first. There's, yeah, yeah. there's our, our passion, impact on creating uh, healthy soils. Let's say listeners wanted to connect with you or uh, Soilmania, where would be the best place to do that? You can find us on LinkedIn, uh, on the internet at uh, soilmania.com or treemania.com. This series broadly covers all of the different ways that technologies are being used both to better monitor urban nature, but also reconnect people to urban nature. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any other exciting technologies besides sensors? We are expanding our program because we are in the soil, but there yeah. are a lot of other techniques where you can measure you, for instance, sap flow sensors. We are working together with ICT International company from Australia, which has very nice products in, in this uh, sap flow sensing. We are also having more climate-related uh, uh, measurements, so for instance, uh, growing light, measuring the growing light, mm -hmm. measuring, of course, uh, climate values like uh, humidity, temperature. The thickness of trees are also um, very good to know. Right. But sap right. flow is, is, uh, is exciting. It's the most exciting. It is, because it can, it can tell us a lot about the vitality of that tree, the vigor of that tree, um, yeah. which, of course, is, is very exciting to be able to correlate with what's going on underground. It's for learning. Of course, we don't want every tree uh, at the world with a sapflo sensor. I mean, you have to put in the probe. That's not what we want to do a lot, uh, but uh, mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, it's good for learning. And that's maybe good, good to mention as well is that I, I think one of the biggest misunderstandings that I run into when it comes to soil sensing technologies and sensing technologies in general is that every single unit, in our case, every tree pit, for example, needs a sensor. And that's most definitely not the case, even yeah. referring back to the, the, the green carpet project that you mentioned in Mustang, yeah. that was for a thousand trees and we used three sensors. Yeah. So that really uh, gives you an idea just how much, you know, if, if site conditions, tree species, soil types, drainage, if all these kind of characteristics are aligned, more or less the same, you can extrapolate an all of, a lot of knowledge and actions out of just a couple sensors. Yeah, that's true. And we need to, to talk about the solution and, um, yes. and the best yeah. solution there is. So, yeah, we talked uh, also about a, a platen. And it's an ancient platen, and uh, they have, I think it's, it's 200 years old. 
they want to uh, have a monitoring tool. They thought about six uh, sensors. For this one plane tree. For, yeah, for this one tree. And in the end, they talked to our uh, Willie, and uh, I think one or two uh, will do. Yeah. So it's all always yeah. about the details. It's soil and it's nature first, impact first, and technology is, comes second to that as, as a tool to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. The last question that I always ask all of my guests is, what does the Internet of Nature mean to you? A lot. <laughs> yeah, it means a lot. It's, it's, it's what we do. If you look at our people and our World Wide Web, which is there for a few decades now, and we look at, at nature itself, it's there. So millions of years, you can call it uh, the worldwide wood web, internet of nature, or it doesn't matter, but we can learn a lot of what's going on down there. People can learn a lot. And the distance between nature and people are too big at this moment to understand more what's going on in the soil. So if the people can go back more to nature, I think there is a lot to learn. Brings us back to the foundation where we started that soil is where all of our terrestrial life starts. Yeah. So it's an important place for us to begin as well. Yes, yes. And our goal is to make people understanding that this is the way to go. Well, thank you so much, Marcel, for sharing with us. Really enjoyed having you on. Thank you very much, Nadina. Thank you very much to Marcel Steeg from Soilmania. And thank you for listening. Join me next week when I'll be talking to Fabio Duarte from MIT Sensible City Lab. This podcast is brought to you by Connecting Nature Enterprise Platform, an innovation of the Connecting Nature Project, which is funded by the European Union Horizon 2020 Framework Program. This podcast was produced by Little Red Flames.